When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the DWZ. That's right, the Dynasty Warzone's very own rookie rundown. As always, I am your host, Dallas, and you can find me on all the social medias at Salad Galore. That is Dallas with a double L spelled backwards. Salad Galore. Guys, it's great to be here again. Had another week break here. I've been just brutally been getting hit on the weekends with uh, weddings and uh, a lot of events that I did not foresee happening that were put on my calendar by my significant other. So here we are. Um, But I am here to talk to you guys in the second installment of Landscapes and specifically Rookie Landscapes, because this is the Rookie Rundown. And on this week's episode, if you are not caught up, um, we are going to be diving into the wide receiver position. I previously have done the running back position. And the way that this works is basically I'm going to go through all rookie wide receivers on this week's episode and give you my take as to whether or not I want them on my team prior to week one, prior to week nine, at that midway point, right around that trade deadline for most leagues, or by the end of the season. Uh, If they're not mentioned in those three categories, I'm not very optimistic for their long-term outlook and future on the teams that they currently are on, just because of the fact of really not a huge reason to trade for the guys that are not going to make these three categories due to the fact that so often those guys in the back end of rosters, wide receivers, if you don't see huge flashes in year one, um, they end up back on the waivers, uh, typically due to the fact of them being replaced by the following classes, rookie wide receivers. <laughs> That's just kind of how it rolls in our um, instant gratification world that we live in, specifically uh, in fantasy football and dynasty fantasy football with rookies. But um, again, last episode was the running back episode. This week is the wide receiver episode. So I will actually be going over a total here of 19 players, so 19 wide receivers. There was a total of 33 that were drafted. I will not be going over all 33 just because, as I said, there's quite a few names on the list that realistically have no shot of balling out. The only way that they will is typically if they come out of left field. Um, I mean, obviously, we will take note of any good camp reports that may be coming out specifically during the preseason time in OTAs for those names that are not on the list. But other than these 18 guys, I don't have a lot of faith in the wide receiver class when it comes to long-term value. So without further ado, we will just hop on in here for the week one players. There are six wide receivers that I want on my teams 
going into the 2023 rookie season prior to week one. Um, the first one should really shock pretty much no one, and that is Mr. Jordan Addison. Uh, when it comes to year one production, in my eyes, there is not a single wide receiver on this list that will have a better year one output for your fantasy teams than Jordan Addison. And you were getting him on that mid to late kind of, uh, you know, that six to nine spot, basically, in a lot of rookie drafts early on in the process, just because people really didn't know how to feel about a guy that, they had question marks already, and then him getting immediately stuck behind a guy like Justin Jefferson. But guess what? Justin Jefferson can't catch all 600-plus of the attempts coming from Kirk Cousins in this Minnesota offense. And when it comes to accuracy and effectively using their weapons, Kirk Cousins is one of the best. We've seen it with a large bevy of different wide receivers rotating in there at the three spot, as well as being elevated when the inevitable injuries happen to a guy like Adam Thielen. But the offense should be very, very good in Minnesota this year. You have Justin Jefferson going to be taking a lot of those targets away on the outside. You have a guy like TJ Hawkinson acquired from Detroit last year, right before the deadline for the Minnesota Vikings, who realistically should be taking all of, all of uh, well, I guess most of, if not all of the underneath coverage from a guy like Jordan Addison. So you have a flexible guy who, albeit small and undersized, is very capable based off of the film that we've seen from playing inside and outside, who's going to be playing that Z flanker role for this offense, have the flexibility of being able to fully be utilized both on the outside and on the inside because the best cornerback, albeit uh, whether or not it is a nickel corner or an outside corner, will never be on him. Odds are they will be on either Mr. TJ Hawkinson or on Mr. Jamar, uh, sorry, not Jamar Jefferson. Uh, sorry, Detroit running back entered my brain there for some reason, <laughs> Justin Jefferson. So when I look at Addison, there's absolutely no reason for me why he cannot put up similar numbers to what we got from a guy kind of like Chris Olave did last year. Um, was it inconsistent for Olave? Yes, but it's the type of sparks and the type of, uh, you know, not alpha, but the type of just game busting breaking ability that we saw from Olave last year. We saw it in college as well from Addison. It's just in a slightly smaller package. Um, anyone who knows me, I don't use Olave's name lightly, but when it comes to year one production, I think he's pretty much the only wide receiver I'd be comfortable putting down any type of monetary bet on in order to hit for a thousand yards in his rookie season. So Addison week one, one of my rosters, I have three shares of him right now. So I'm sitting uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm in 10 leagues. I always cap myself at 10. So I'm at right about 30% roster ship, which is towards the max end of where I typically like to get 40, um, 35. That's usually the range I live in for most of my, uh, you know, ride or die <laughs> type of prospects, just because major injuries, major issues uh, I don't want it affecting over half of my leagues but Addison he's a guy you need to go and get the second guy on this list is one that's going a little bit cheaper he's on the back end of the uh, first round going into the second round he's actually starting to fall kind of towards that middle of the second round just because there are a lot of question marks as to how they're going to use him in Carolina but that is Mr. Jonathan Mingo um, this is a guy that is classically a jack of all trades master of none in a big jacked up beefed up body style that uh, Carolina really likes the wide receiver position. We've seen it for a very long time now that they typically like to draft jacked up wide receivers that are physical specimens. And that's kind of what you get with Jonathan Mingo, extremely explosive athlete, extremely fast athlete. Um, okay. Hands. Okay. Route running. Okay. Separation ability just checks all the boxes. He's just not 
super sexy. Um, there's a lot of production issues that happen in college that people have question marks with. Um, he is an older prospect at the wide receiver position. This was his fifth year down at Ole Miss. So it's understandable if you're not in love with him. But when it comes to base value, when it comes to, yeah, base value basically for a guy like Jonathan Mingo right now, prior to week one, is probably the cheapest you're going to get him his entire rookie year because he's going to be in there from day one as the wide receiver one potentially wide receiver two, potentially wide receiver three. He's in the top three on this team. We just don't really know how the targets are going to be shaking out there right now. Um, there are questions currently going on with <clears throat> the likes of Adam Thielen, the likes of DJ Chark, um, two older guys, uh, Terrace Marshall. So there, there are some opportunities for some other guys, but the lion's share of targets with a rookie quarterback looking to make a good matchup pairing with a rookie wide receiver mingo is going to be that guy so it should be very interesting to see how it goes there's gonna be a lot of passing i think happening in carolina this year i'm um, kind of under the radar they actually uh led the league in explosive plays of 30 plus yards last year which was pretty fascinating to me um so yeah it, it's just a team to watch i think it's going to be an explosive uh, all or nothing type of offense and a guy like mingo who was really good at getting those chunk plays in college is the type of target that you want to get to and again this is all based off of evaluation he's going to be more expensive during the season so if you want to throw the dice and get a guy like mingo it's smart to do it now prior to the season rather than during the season where his value will be inflated Another wide receiver, and this is kind of a, a two-parter here, um, it's the Houston wide receivers. So I have it down just specifically as Tank Dell, but I can't go through an episode on rookie wide receivers and not talk about my guy, Xavier Hutchinson. Both landed two rounds apart in the third round and in the fifth round to the Houston Texans who have been screaming for targets all day, every day. They lost <clears throat> Brandon Cooks in a trade to Dallas. Thusly, they're currently sitting with Nico Collins, uh, a cancer, hopefully survivor beater in John Mechie this year. Um, from all reports, it sounds like he's probably going to play this year. Um, the likes of Tank Dell and Xavier Hutchinson and Nico Collins. And that's pretty much it. Um, it's those four to five guys that will be rotating in and out. No one has even remotely what we would classify as a stranglehold on the targets and specifically the favorite target of a guy like Bryce Young down in Houston. So <clears throat> it's... It's very fascinating, I would say. Sorry, CJ Stroud, not Bryce Young, messed that up. Um, it's very fascinating to see how this is going to go. Um, you, you would assume a pro-style quarterback like a CJ Stroud really likes the concept of see it, throw it as a rookie wide receiver. Um, it's kind of the shtick that a lot of people like to slap onto Ohio State quarterbacks. And so the fact that Nathaniel Dell is the best separator in this class, by far none in the wide receivers, went to a room that is pretty devoid of extremely good wide receivers when it comes to a separation standpoint um, you have to be pretty optimistic for it and then you have Xavier Hutchinson filling a different mold as an outside receiver um, I, I have a hard time seeing right now as to how he's not pushing a guy like Nico Collins for his type of role basically um, so yes you look at veteran experience and it sounds really nice, but the fact that you have kind of a redundant skill set between the likes of Robert Woods, Xavier Hutchinson, and Nico Collins, it'll be really interesting to see how those targets shake up. And I wouldn't be surprised if he had a role as well, but specific target that I want on my roster would be Tank Dell. Um, I think he's right behind Jordan Addison when it comes to 
rookie production, what to be expected from these rookie wide receivers. So it's a guy that I definitely want because I know he's going to be more expensive come mid-season. Sorry, mid-season once he starts to uh, (laughs) really lock down his role. Another guy that's walking into instant target, um, target share really on this offense is Josh Downs. And he's kind of been downplayed for some reason during this offseason period in Indianapolis. And I'm not 100% why. They did exactly what we thought they were going to. They used a second round draft selection on a wide receiver in the form of Downs to come in and hopefully take the slot role over completely from Guy Flip like Michael Pittman and force him on the outside. They lost pretty much any competition for targets on the outside and inside in the slot when it comes to big name players shipping off a guy like Paris Campbell. So there's a lot of open, uh, open space really for downs to just kind of run and easily slot into the slot role. And this offense likes to throw the ball a lot, even with the beast in Jonathan Taylor, they've been throwing it at a very alarming clip. And again, looking at a rookie quarterback coming in right here um when i'm looking at anthony richardson again i want a guy that separates better than pretty much anyone josh downs is his guy um i have a feeling he's gonna have a much better connection with a guy like josh downs than he will a guy like michael Pittman when it comes to separation ability even though i will say it now richardson does not have the best decision making on the planet so it wouldn't shock me if he does kind of favor the big target just so he can uh, do a, a classic Jameis rendition of F it, he's down there somewhere type of move. But Josh Down is a separator underneath. There's still question marks at the tight end position. Pretty much the entire underneath over the middle of the field portion is completely open for Josh Towns to eat this year. And that is where he was absolutely dominant in college. So I'm very excited to see where he is going to pan out. And he's a guy that I think still at this point is being extremely undervalued. Um, He's a guy I'm willing to move back end of a first four, I would have been comfortable for it. And he's not going until kind of the early second to mid second in a lot of the rookie drafts. Um, Not positive what his EDP is right now, but that's about the range he was going when I was drafting. Two more wide receivers in this week one category. Um, They are on the cheaper side. Um, One guy, not as cheap as he was a couple weeks ago, but Michael Wilson um, still locked and loaded really as the wide receiver three, most likely in this offense. It's going to be ugly. I'm not expecting a ton of value improvement over the year, but a guy like Michael Wilson, who realistically is going to be on the field from day one, um, just the allure of having a guy that is a rookie who's playing 80% of the snaps from week one is going to be something that's going to increase in value, especially if he has one fluke blow up game, kind of like what Rondell Moore had his rookie season. You could see a value spike where people were trying to trade away first round picks for Rondell Moore when that happened. And uh, we see how well that worked out for them (laughs) three years down the road now. So um, he's a guy that is a value signing still. He's not going to cost you an arm and a leg still because he is still the wide receiver three, but his value is definitely going to increase during the season. So I want him prior to kick off of week one. Then the last guy is the guy that I still am not 100% sure as to why He's going as late as he is. And it's A.T. Perry. And I get it, guys. He was a fifth-round pick. I get it. Went to Wake Forest. Not the biggest school. But this is a guy who, once again, is going on to an offense. And just like Michael Wilson is from week one going to be the third target on the team. Now, granted, the two in front of him are much better. (coughs) Excuse me. Wrong air pipe. Um, Much better in the form of Chris Olave and Michael Thomas. But when I'm looking at a guy like A.T. Perry, big bodied outside receiver, inevitable replacement to a guy like Michael Thomas, realistically, who is now, I believe, 32 years old, um, play style on the outside can be a great compliment. And he's very good in the slot as a very large, big slot. Dude's like six, four and a half, basically 215. So 
a very interesting skill set that you have between him and Michael Thomas. You can absolutely box out the defenders. You have the jitterbug tight end, who is a move piece in Juwan Johnson, and then Chris Olave as the true burner, but like alpha in the offense going forward. He's a guy that, as long as Derek Carr is comparable and confident, I don't see why he couldn't put up numbers similar to what we were getting from like a Zay Flowers, not Zay Flowers, a Zay Jones in uh, Las Vegas when Zay Jones and Derek Carr were together. Um, same kind of mold, same kind of big guy on the outside. I, I just think it, it, it's a perfect pairing. And again, he's basically free in all of these leagues. So he's a guy that I'm definitely trying to acquire on my teams before week one. Drink break, one sec. <sighs> okay, yeah. My uh, <laughs> my girlfriend's been uh, getting sick recently, and I think it's rubbing off on me a little bit. So bear with me as my voice is slightly scratchy today. Uh, moving off from the week one categories, though, we will jump into the week nine threshold. There's only four players that are in here, and you're probably saying, Dallas, you're crazy. Haven't heard a couple of these names. You're telling me you don't want them on your team right now. Again, as I explained with the running back position, anyone that is in these further categories, if you want to take your shot at acquiring them prior to that, that's fine. It's just there's certain peak value aspects where you have to hit. I think that these are four players that are going to have depreciated values that are currently higher than what they will be probably week three to four, just when we start to see pretty much nothing producing for them on a regular basis due to the target competition on the team, um, the issues and redundancy of the players that are currently on the team at the wide receiver position for these guys, as well as just like how bad the offenses most likely are going to be for these teams. And so the four guys that I don't really want to try to acquire right now because the price is a little bit too high for me, but I think you're going to be able to get slightly cheaper at kind of like a dart throw down the road type of move prior to your trade deadlines at that week nine threshold that I'm referring to. First man, I'll get him out of the way, is Mr. Jackson Smith Njigba in Seattle. Um, out of Ohio State, comes in. He's the inevitable replacement to a guy like Tyler Lockett and should absolutely eat in the slot. But the thing is, I... We weren't super confident that Gina was going to be able to keep up the likes of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett at the same time, throwing in another target into that mix. Although the team may get better, I don't think fantasy production for Jackson Jigba is going to be much better than what the slot receiver outside of Tyler Lockett was getting for Seattle last year. I think you're looking at most likely like a 500-yard season in his rookie year for Jackson Jigba, and I am a huge stand, so that's saying something. I just have a hard time seeing Geno throwing for 5,000 yards over 4,000 again um, and really producing and evenly distributing it between the three guys to where you get 3,000-yard receivers. Now, albeit this is one of the better receiving cores that we've seen in a while where it's a strong possibility that that could kind of happen. I don't want to use strong, but it is still a possibility, I guess, is what I should say. But I just don't predict that happening. So JSN is a guy that I think is going to have a slightly depreciated value when we're not seeing the dividends right away in weeks one through five for your fantasy team. And as long as he doesn't have a massive blow up game in that time span, people will most likely start to get into their own headspace of like, oh, maybe those guys that said he's only a slot wide receiver were right. If you're not getting a lot of slot targets, then it's probably not going to work out for him. So he's a guy, again, that I'm acquiring prior to the trade deadline. And that is why. Going on to the next team, this is just a 100% redundancy, and that's Quentin Johnston in 
Los Angeles with the Chargers. Um, him and Mike Williams are basically the same player when you look at them in a lot of aspects. Uh, and yes, an injury is probably inevitably going to happen, but the question marks and the rawness still that you see in Quentin Johnston's game from a week in and week out basis, um, except for the schemed up plays that they realistically will throw him on double screens, quick outs, complete ISO routes, that type of thing. He's not going to get a huge target quantity. Also, long speed isn't super good. It was super comical um, because the two wide receivers back-to-back on this list that I think would have done the best probably on the opposite team uh, got drafted by one of the worst situations that they could have gone into. Uh, Now, again, Herbert is an amazing quarterback. He can lift all sinking ships as tides do, but the thing is it's just the same type of profile. Like... in a year, yeah, I'll like Quentin Johnson, and that's why he's an acquire midseason. But I don't see any way, shape, or form he's getting you double-digit fantasy points, even in a PPR situation, outside of touchdown flukiness, basically, over the first six to seven weeks of the season. So he's a guy that, again, I'm trying to acquire prior to the trade deadline, but definitely am not trying to force onto my team prior to week one. I currently have zero shares of Quentin Johnson, and I'm going to be honest, I don't know that I would um, – would really acquire him. Um, but this is the point where I would. Uh, the guy, other guy I was referring to is Jalen Hyatt. Uh, if you could flip the landing spots of Jalen Hyatt and Quentin Johnson, I would probably be much higher on both of these guys. Uh, if the Chargers needed one thing, it was speed. If <laughs> the Giants needed one thing, it was size. And they uh, just didn't listen to what their actual team offenses needed, which was pretty funny. But Jalen Hyatt is currently with the New York Giants, another small-bodied receiver with a gimmick that is speed, long speed, deep speed, who was pretty much never used on the smaller, shallower routes. So congrats, you didn't technically get a slot receiver, but you kind of did because like 89, I think it was 89.7% of Jalen Hyatt's snaps were out of the slot last year when he had his blow-up season. So if he's not running a streak seam straight up the middle or a double move straight up out of the uh, slot role, he's not really doing much. And if you're putting him in the slot, that means you're moving guys that should not be anywhere but the slot to the outside on this team, which is extremely concerning for the Giants for me. Um, again, a guy that I think is going to have a couple of blow up games this season, just due to that deep speed nature, but I don't have confidence that's going to happen early. I can tell you that right now. And it's not like he was a first round pick. So he's a back in the second, early third type of pick. Um, just a guy that isn't super enticing to me, but I think he will have a couple of blow up games. So getting him prior to the fact of him having those mid to late season, is pretty important if you're looking to flip him. And that's why he's on my week nine list. The last player on here might surprise you. Uh, it's Pukanuka, uh, Nakua, sorry, Pukanuka out of BYU. He is the wide receiver drafted with the Los Angeles Rams. And yes, I know it wasn't drafted super high by the Los Angeles Rams, but Puka is a guy that can produce hopefully pretty early for this team. Um, I, I feel like we've, we've kind of hit our threshold of acceptance for what Van Jefferson can be on this team they have officially shipped away Allen robinson so really you're just looking at van jefferson tyler higby and tutu atwell on top of cooper cup and so you're, you're like there's there's some targets out there and this is the only wide receiver they drafted this year he's the guy that should come in and really produce just because he was extremely efficient in college um he was up there with the likes of jsn for a yards per team uh team passing attempt his yards per route run attempts 
those were all elite category. They were basically one and two in all receiving categories of metrics from the best seasons when it came to JSN and Pukutakua. So he's a guy that I am enticed by. He was kind of a sleeper guy prior to the season. I think he fell in a very nice situation because he can do the speed aspect of what Tutu Atwell has been doing for this offense, but he's a lot bigger and has much more consistent hands. So those deep shots that Stafford will be taking this year, I think Pukutakua might be the guy. So again, I think he might be the type of foil to Hyatt where he could have a very couple, a couple of very big blow up games later on in the season. Once he starts gelling with, Stafford, but he's not a consistent producer right now. I don't think he's going to be early and you're just hoping that you can acquire him. Honestly, you can do it now pretty cheap well as well, but I think nine, week nine is probably the sweet spot for him because um, he's probably going to be back on waivers if he's on someone's taxi squad or something like that this year. Um, so he's just a guy I'm very intrigued about before that trade deadline, just due to the fact in the same vein as Hyatt, you're going to be able to flop him um, flip him and flop him for more than what you're going to pay for him during the season. So that's always enticing to me because it's a, a sunk cost game, as you all know. And then that's the wrap of week nine category for me. Um, the, the next category is the largest when it comes to the wide receivers, and it shouldn't really shock you. There's a lot of wide receiver shakeup that's going to happen at the end of this year, just due to the free agents, um, the quarterback situation that's going to happen again and next year with all the free agents that are coming up. So there's a lot of opportunity for guys to take over spots for some other people that are on their offense. And that's kind of what this category is. It's just a bunch of guys that are going to take at least a year, I think, to fully be ready. There's going to be a lot of hype going into next season, most likely, for these guys on their respective teams as those post-hype sleepers, the second-year sophomore breakouts. So getting them as early as possible is usually the best bet. But we're still too close to the rookie draft in this year where there's optimism for a lot of these guys to try to acquire them now. Um, the first pairing... Put them next to each other just because I, people love Jaden Reed and he's okay. But I just, I did not see what everyone else was seeing with Jaden Reed on a regular basis. And so I put him right next to Dontavian Wicks as the Green Bay wide receivers. One of these guys most likely is going to stick on this team is going to be productive going into 2024, 2025 and beyond. But I don't know which one it's going to be. Um, I'm not trying to acquire either one. Wicks is basically free. So if I had to pick up one right now, it'd probably be Wicks just due to the fact of, that's kind of what we did last year with dubs as well, as opposed to Christian Watson. And it worked pretty freaking well for us. So they are two guys where they have basically no standalone value this year. I think that this green Bay passing offense is going to be abysmal and people that are hyping it up kind of, are speaking from pure copium. Um, but uh, it, it'll be interesting. I think one of them probably shows a couple more flashes than the other one. Reed is quite a bit faster than Wicks, but Wicks is quite a bit bigger. So it kind of, kind of leans into the fact of how they're going to use Christian Watson as to which one of these two is probably going to be more readily used in this Green Bay passing offense. Next guy is just due to the system that he landed in, and that's Rasheed Rice. Um, albeit they are in need of a slot receiver this year. They're hoping that Tony can be the number one, but they did trade up in the second round to draft Rasheed Rice in Kansas City. The only problem is show me a rookie wide receiver that has ever succeeded his rookie season, specifically underneath Andy Reid outside of Jeremy Macklin and I'll be impressed because there hasn't been one. Uh, it, it's just a fact of life. Uh, we saw it with Sky Moore last year, uh, reeling in 124 yards worth of receptions. I think he caught 22 balls last year. Just really, really bad. Um, he's a play for next year. He's going to be a post-hype uh, post sleeper. So again, um, that trade deadline aspect or in the offseason next year, right after the season, that's when you're probably going to want to try to make a move for Rice. Um, Mims. 
Marvin Mims in Denver. He is the third on this list. And he is a guy that for me, his testing really started hyping him up quite a bit. Um, he was in that same range for me of a Jalen Hyatt uh, of those smaller slots of the Josh downs based off of collegiate production. Um, but his landing spots, the worst, it doesn't clear out unless someone gets traded and I'm not going to bank on someone getting traded. Um, Sean Payton's in there. So if we don't see early use of a guy like Marvin Mims, I'm not super optimistic about him, but the thing is very easily could be producing dividends for your team going into the 2024 season. So that's why he's an end of season target for me. Cedric Tillman, for me, probably had one of the worst landing spots that you could have asked for. Um, he goes to Cleveland. He's going to be competing with Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore on a regular basis, as well as the monster that is David Njoku. Um, the passing work basically going to Rashad Fenton and Jerome Ford and that backfield, Nick Chubb being just the workhorse running back into Sean Watson, most likely spreading the ball out quite a bit. Um, not a huge lot of upside unless there's an injury specifically to a guy like Amari Cooper um, or DPJ. You're hoping for an injury to both. If you're really banking on Tillman for your rookie season for him to be a producer for you. So he's a guy again, 2024 makes a lot of sense. DPJ will be out of there. Most likely we'll be moving on from a guy like Amari Cooper for realistically, this is a team that's going to be trading for one of those big name free agents probably, or using a very early pick next year on a wide receiver. So um, Tillman's going to have some more competition next year. And because I don't see a huge Avenue for production this year or increased role next year, knowing what we know, I, I just can't bank on him as an acquisition for your team prior to the end of the season. <clears throat> Similar vein is a guy like Zay Flowers. I think Zay Flowers has to go through an entire season being a first round pick and not producing at the level that people were anticipating his production to be at in order for his value to be depreciated. But I think that's what's going to happen. Um, there's just arbitrarily too many mouths to feed in this offense. Lamar Jackson, albeit has shown the ability to pass the ball a lot, but it's not what he is known for. The offense runs through the running game and short passes to a guy like Mark Andrews. If you're telling me that you're trying to use Zay Flowers basically in the role that you're using Mark Andrews to just do a true tight end, I think the offense takes a step back um, in that capacity because I think that's a misuse of Andrews. And it's again, just kind of hoping that flowers is going to be a producer. Um, it's a lot of copium right now. There's nothing about the situation that tells you, especially after bringing in a guy like OBJ and the return of Rashad Bateman, that he's going to be able to get a lion's share of targets on this team from the wide receiver position. So I think it was more of a first round pick just as a, uh, an underneath target in general, just a chain mover more so than anything. But I just have a hard time seeing him beating out the other wide receiver targets for consistent work. And that's why I think his value is going to be, pretty depressed going into 2024 and you'll be able to get him cheaper than a first round pick. Most likely a second kind of what we were dealing with, with a guy like Kadarius Tony when he was a rookie in New York, <clears throat> another wide receiver. This is a guy specifically, I think he's going to be segmented only on the special teams purpose. And this is the second year in a row that the Chicago bears have drafted a guy specifically to do this right now. But I think the inevitable goal with this selection in the fourth round is to hope that you can find a replacement in value and production to a guy like Darnell Mooney. I think that's a stupid decision because I still think that Darnell Mooney is the second best wide receiver on this team. Um, the dude's route running is insane and he's perennially underrated. I could go on about Mooney forever, but I think 
we saw them hedging their Mooney bet over their Claypool bet. I think their intention is to re-sign Claypool and let uh, Darnell Mooney go at the end of the season. So getting him prior to that happening, I think is vital for a guy like Tyler Scott. And I don't see a lot of options basically for him to be a producer unless an injury pops up. Um, He is still pretty cheap. He's still going in that third to fourth round range in most fantasy drafts. So I think you could acquire him again. If you want to feel comfortable about having him on your roster before he steps in for an injury or something like that, throw out a third next year for him, you'll probably get him. Um, But he's a guy that I think his value is going to skyrocket this time next year, um, specifically going into the draft, going into free agency of next off season period. And he's a guy that I definitely want on my team prior to the end of the season, but right around that uh, trade deadline mark going into the playoffs, I think is the sweet spot to acquiring him. <clears throat> the next two are guys that were drafted significantly later than the rest of the other people. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I'm not big on either one of these guys. Their tape was okay. Um, their size is a little bit weird and concerning based off of how they play as well. Um, they're both slot receivers. The first is Charlie Jones out of Purdue. He is going to Cincinnati. Um, the only reason he made the list really is just because he has Joe Burrow as his quarterback. Tyler Boyd's an eventual, basically, um, free agent release at the end of the season. He's just going to walk, go, go to another team, or resign super cheap. Charlie Jones has the ability to potentially slot in as the slot receiver, but I have a hard time, again, thinking that they're not going to pay at least a decent penny in free agency next year for a slot receiver. If Charlie Jones does not like blow up Tyler Boyd during the uh, preseason period here. And so he's a guy that I think will be an acquire just uh, dirt cheap, probably on waivers realistically or on someone's taxi squad going into the 2024 season. And a guy that I again would be attempting to acquire prior to free agency of next year. And then in a similar vein, you're looking at Parker Washington, the wide receiver room down in Jacksonville right now is just stuff full of production, just guys that produce above what the fantasy space thinks about them. Uh, Calvin Ridley coming in, he's going to absolutely destroy the world. Probably with Trevor Lawrence, that's going to be the wide receiver one. But outside of that, you have Zay Flowers on a one. Uh, no, I keep doing that. Zay Jones on a one-year uh, contract down there. You have Christian Kirk with two years technically left on his contract, but he has an out after this season as well. And then just kind of question marks all around outside of that. So there's a lot of opportunity down in Duval to uh, get a spot, but specifically looking at 2024, I think Parker Washington could be the perfect replacement for a guy like Zay Jones in this offense, big bodied physical faster than he likes to get credit for. And one of the better slot receivers in the league. Um, Zay has primarily been playing as a big slot over the last two years, both in Jacksonville and in Las Vegas. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays, but Parker Washington and Charlie Jones are the last two where I think they're flyers where keep the names in the back of your head. Um, Just refer back to this episode. If you're thinking about acquiring someone um, right before the trade deadline that might have it, an increase in value. I'll be doing an episode later on the season on that as well before the trade uh, trade deadline for these rookies. And uh, that just kind of rounds out the list. So that's 18 wide receivers. Um, The most notable names to not make the list. I'll just touch on them very briefly. Justin Shorter and Keishon Booty. um, Both didn't have the best collegiate production career. They had early breakout ages. Both of them dealt with injuries. Both of them are weird off the field kind of situations. And they were both, fifth and sixth round, respectively, wide receivers. Um, Their teams are looking for third options in New England and Buffalo, but I'm not confident that they are the options, especially with Nuke Hopkins still floating around there. So that's just something to take 
take account of. And then another name of note that I did want to pay attention to, uh, Ronnie Bell with San Francisco. If Brandon Ayuk doesn't get re-signed, Ronnie Bell is a seventh-round pick that I think realistically could have a role on the San Francisco offense next year. Um, hell, he might have one this year, but I'm not super confident unless Ayuk is gone. So it's just another name to keep uh, in your mind. But I don't really care about Trey Palmer, Andreas Sovius, uh, Demario Douglas, and Tone Green, Colton Dow, Jalen Brooks, or Grant DeBose. So I did not touch on them. But this has been the wide receiver rookie landscape here on the Rookie Rundown. It has been a pleasure, and I'm very excited to talk quarterbacks and tight ends with you next week. Again, should be back on normal schedule, work, normal life. It's been weird. It's kind of a dead period in the fantasy space in general, so there's not a ton to talk about, but I will be diving in after that quarterback and tight end episode into my Oklahoma drills, doing a head-to-head positional battles for a lot of these prospects and hopefully giving you the insight for redraft purposes and valuation purposes of these rookie players when you're comparing them to people that actually play the game like they play it. So without further ado, this is the end of this episode here on the Rookie Rundown. Like I said, as always, I'm your host, Dallas. Find me on all socials at Salad Galore. Make sure to smash the like, the follow, leave a review if you have not already. It takes maybe five seconds. You can write, good job, guys, and literally the text message worth of uh, space that you used on that and the 10 seconds is basically over and it helps a ton for the channel um if you have any questions hit me up in the dms and if you're not a member of the patreon might want to consider it because it's a pretty fun place to be um i've been bouncing around on some other episodes here so you'll probably hear me on the um the player profiler stream here in the next couple weeks again if you have not been privy to the last couple episodes that have popped up on there i've been a guest on there and jesse i think it's in the works as well so it's definitely something to take note of but until further ado have a great week guys and i will catch you next time when we add up all those inches that's gonna make the fucking difference between winning and losing won a game yesterday and if we win one today that's two in a row we win one tomorrow that's called a winning streak